Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey guys, have you heard of Logos Bible Software? Well, if you haven't, you need to check it out. If you haven't, you've been living under a rock because they're the biggest software company for biblical tools on the market and for good reason. They've got everything that you need at your fingertips. We're talking maps, concordances, word studies, original languages. I mean, everything you need is Charles Spurgeon Library, Charles Simeon Library, Joseph H. Parker. Oh, wait, that's Larry H. Parker's brother, isn't it? No. Joseph Parker, I mean, we're talking like huge library systems on there, like the complete massive works that themselves could run up to 1K. And it's all there. You can buy expansion packages like a video game, logosbiblesoftware.com. Head on over there. Tell them Pete and Peyton sent you. Uh, actually, just, just tell them Peyton sent you. I, I, I don't want to take any uh, credit for this. Yeah. You know, I'm used to taking blame as a church planner, not credit. So I'm good with that. Well, you know. So uh, you had anything new happen to you this last week that we need to discuss on the podcast? You know I do. You know, I, I have new things happen, but I don't remember them often nowadays. Well, I don't quite know how to take that. Well, you know, I did actually go uh, teach a marriage retreat with Andrea last weekend. They oh, put me really? up. Yeah, they put me up. Uh, really, with your marriage, they had you teach it. They did. They did. Now they're podcast listeners, which was kind of cool. So I got an invite. They did not ask you to come, dude. I don't get asked for anything <laughs> at all. It's like uh, Pete, you almost killed me twice with my asthma. Other than that, that's it. That's all. I, that's that is it. not true. They ask for, can I come to your house and watch your giant TV? Who? Who has asked that? Uh, Jerry. Okay, one Sorry. guy in six years 
has taken um, me up on that. Ruben has asked you to be his pastor. No, he hasn't asked me. He's told me. Barry <laughs> has asked you it. to let you point a gun or let him point a gun at you. Actually, he just did that. Yeah, he just he just went and, ahead with it. Yeah. And uh, let's see, there was one other thing someone asked. Um, oh, uh, people ask you to go to the shooting range. So, I mean, you, you can't see no one Who? asks you anything. Who asked me to go to the shooting range? You know. Yeah, exactly. you making it up. No. Mm, I think so. Mm, PP. Those are his initials. I'm just saying. He didn't ask. I asked him. I'm like, mm. I need a friend. Oh, okay, I so need a friend. Can you come to- with me? I need a friend. Listen, guys, this is this is like a Sadie Hawkins appeal on behalf of Pete Mitchell. Um, if you if you haven't asked Pete to do anything, um, you need to ask Pete. Um, you know what I think is funny? We, we he needs to Sadie Hawkins for anything, not for a dance. He won't dance. You know, I missed the opportunity on our last podcast to tell you how much I loved you just because it was Valentine's Day. I, I don't know how I let that go without we, making you feel super uncomfortable. Have you noticed how we announced on the last podcast, hey, we're uh, we're probably going to be canceling this podcast. And no one reached out to us and said, no! Because <laughs> they don't take us serious. That's why. They didn't care. They're like, eh, I'll go on to the next podcast. Whatever. Did I hear I that in the trenches I- one is pretty good. I'm going to go over there. See ya. <laughs> Losers. That's pretty much what what our audience says. Did did I tell you that I got my daughter into that old 90s song? Because this is my United States sub, whatever. So she she had this, like, not a sleepover, but like a, I don't know, some party with a bunch of 10-year-olds, 9-year-olds. They all came over to the house, and uh, they were all putting music on and dancing to it. My, My daughter put on that song United States of whatever, which dad corrupted her with. And my wife, I wasn't there because if, if my house gets invaded by girls, I'm out, like I'm out of there. And, uh, so <laughs> I come home, my wife goes, you've corrupted our daughter. She put that song on and it's, it's very punk sounding. And, uh, she was dancing, going nuts to it. And, uh, she said literally that, uh, her, her friends begged her, in pain and agony, writhing on the ground to please make the music stop. That was a proud moment for me as a dad. That's awesome. Not going to lie. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, talking to my secret friend. It's kind of annoying. I have, I have imaginary friends as a grown man. Don't judge. You, should you know, have everyone no thought it was cute friends before. And, uh, you know, uh, Jim, Jimmy, uh, what's his name? Oh, oh listen now. Uh, what's his name? Jimmy Stewart. When he had a giant imaginary friend, they made a movie about it. But I have it. And everybody thinks I'm crazy. What's up with that? Okay. What happened to you this week, Pete? I, nothing. Not a thing. No, you went to Solving. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. What happens in Solving stays in Solving. <laughs> nah, so I was really, really sick. And I, I mean, I still have a touch of it. Um, Friday and Saturday, I basically just spent both days in bed. And that's tough for me because Saturday I had a gun draining and I couldn't even go to it. That's how sick I was. What? I know. That's really sick, Pete. That's when you know, okay, it's legit. 
when Pete's not going to his, his, uh, I think it was, uh, handgun training is what that one was. Whoa, dude. And so, um, we were supposed to drive up to San Francisco on, uh, starting on Saturday. We were going to break it up. And, uh, so I was too sick to go, you know, Sunday still too sick. Monday we decided, well, you know, we got these rooms reserved in Solvane. Let's just go ahead and go up a day early to Solvane and just, you know, have a, a little mini vacation. Um, kids are miserable. And I think, uh, uh, the reason why we have so many is because misery loves company. And so every parent tries to get their, their non, uh, parental friends to have kids so that way they can join the misery. That's all I'm saying. Wow. Yeah. Well, they had good Danishes though, right? I guess. What do you mean you guess? I mean, I'm not really a Danish kind of a guy. Well, who is? But I mean, they're Danishes. Apparently Nobody the, expects anything. Apparently the Dens are. Well, I mean, I've never been to Denmark, but I mean, you don't hear a lot about them. It's not like they have a bunch of like, you know, like sheep and Danishes. national product. I mean, that's the only two things they got sheep. and What Danishes. do you do? Well, that's it. Like, what do you do when you're, you're in this tiny country and you don't have a lot that you make or, or able to make that's unique. It's not like you're France and you can make wine. It's not like you're German. You can make brats. You're Denmark. And you're like, Hey, you know what? Like, let's make a pastry and put jam in it. We'll name it after a country. It'll be called a Danish. And uh, that'll put us on the map. Like, that's all you got, man. Like, that's okay, you know? I guess. You don't got windmills. You got wooden shoes. You know, you don't got the sweatshirt. What is your sweatshirt, man? Dude, you're grumpy, man. Is my sweatshirt getting on your nerves? No, I'm, I'm like, is this a communist thing? You got some red patch with a horse and a star up in the corner. On a, I think you're thinking the nation of Islam with a star on it. And, and you're wearing a camo, and it <laughs> looks like it's a, a – it actually looks quite soft from where I'm at. It, it's actually quite snuggly. Yeah. I mean, it kind of looks it, like that. Yeah, I got a, I got a, I got a Deftone sweatshirt on. So you're seeing the, the White Pony album logo on my sweatshirt. Okay, it totally looks like a communist thing. <laughs> I'm just saying you look you like know, a commie. It, it's funny. Well, it is a red patch, and it is a camo. I guess I do look like Fidel Castro's long-lost white nephew. But You, you should yes. be like, hey, look, I'm the special forces for Cuba. Because <laughs> right now, that's what you look like. I'm special forces for new metal and hardcore, man. I guess. <laughs> I come in the name of Chi. Yeah. Yeah, Chino. so I mean, solving wasn't – I mean, it was – I don't know. I mean, I, I, we, we were like – so happy to be home yesterday. Like as soon That's as we got up, you're sick. That's why you're so. See, you you got latent grumpiness. You're sick. A sick pizza, grumpy, a grumpy Pete for sure. Absolutely. I'm getting it now. Absolutely. <laughs> What's up with your sweatshirt? <laughs> I just actually. I What's thought, up with that scar on your nose, man? <laughs> I thought you just went commie on me. That's all. I just like the word commie. I'm just gonna start calling you commie. Everybody's a commie. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> you, you are. But that's if you start hanging out with those gun club people. You start being like, uh, who's the guy on uh, 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 the Big Lebowski? The big dude, like Roseanne's Tom Arnold. Remember yeah, his I character? I don't know what his oh, name what's was. Tom Arnold? What's that guy's name again? I know who you're talking who, about. 
Dan, you got to watch no. Dan. Yeah, Dan. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah, you you got to watch. Does he get watch shot? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. He's all locked and loaded. And he's his guns. He's gonna bring his guns to everything. But after a while, man, you go to the gun range all the time. Everybody's a commie, right? Doesn't that kind of happen? Doesn't paranoia start creeping in the more you start shooting guns? Well, some paranoia is totally justified. Like, I'll give you a great example. You see, brought this I, up. I did, didn't I? I, I, did I, I did you see the twinkle in my eye? Did you see the twinkle in my eye? Every time. All of a sudden, I'm like, well, if we're going well, to go down this It's like all of a sudden you come to life. See, I, I had to re- resuscitate you. That's the only way I needed to do it. It was like, do I give him out the mouth or do I not? If I give him out the mouth, I have to kiss him. But it'll bring him back to life. That was like my dilemma just then. But there we go. You're back. So California passed this law that uh, you have to register your home-built firearms. Um, and every gun person has said since 1960s, either 63 or 68, when they uh, first required that guns be uh, uh, serialized, everyone has said, well, look, registration leads to confiscation. That that's registration just leads to confiscation. And I'm not kidding you, man. The videos are flooding the internet. We are watching cops come and confiscate the guns that you just registered. Whoa. In California. And it's it's like, dude, I'm (laughs) registration leads to confiscation. Are you serious? Yes. That's crazy. Not only is it a, a violation of the fifth amendment, which our state hasn't given a rip about the amendments in, I don't know, 50 years. But, uh, yeah, registration leads to confiscation. So I'm just saying, man, we are entering the commie phase. It's it's actually it's a weird time in America. We do seem yeah. to have kind of like a communism light right now. I mean, it's interesting yeah. because any time – okay, so to get political for a second – Every uh, by the way, guys, if you've tuned in, yes, we will get um, to the church planning talk. But this is smack talk. We do this every every week, and we just talk about life and make fun of each other, and, um, pop culture, things in the news. And uh, you know, the 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 thing that to me is staggering is that most of the things that you're hearing, like I watch YouTube, and I'll 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 watch uh, a lot of the stuff. I don't watch the news, but I'll watch stuff on YouTube. Um, because I can kind of pick and I can, okay, I'm going to listen to this now and I'm going to watch this subject and it's by this liberal outlet. And then there's this right wing outlet or there's this middle of the ground or independent. I like being able to choose because I know the slant, you know, but also I, I don't want to watch a whole news program. So that's, it's quick in and out, whatever. But one of the things right now with the, this is what I don't think people realize about, socialist agendas because it's very popular with young people whenever you go socialism what you're saying is i am handing the control of whatever i want to socialize to the government right i'm handing more of my freedom and more of my control away they go hand in hand socialism is not part of of it, it eliminates your choice really and so what's happening right now is with the huge push right now from certain quarters in our political system to socialize, and they're saying in 20 years, not, not in the next 10 years, but probably in the next 20 years, 
this will be a very present reality for America because as this generation grows older, um, you know, gets a little more <laughs> responsibility, perhaps um, they will either grow out of it or not. And in that case, um, we will have more of a nanny state. And, and the thing is, we just saw what happened when we hand the government our health care. I warned about this. You know, I, I was saying way back then, hey, I just came from a country where the health care is socialized. And like, you know, Scandinavian nations are starting to, to privatize it because it's a mess. Britain did it out of necessity. It's not working well. It doesn't work well. But the, the scariest thing for an American is that once you socialize any sector, you give up complete control to the government. And our health care is not after everything that's gone down. It's not our health care is worse, far worse sure. than it was. And that's as a healthcare insider, as an RN, understanding the system from the inside out. It's not a better system. We never dealt with the corruption caused by the insurance companies. Instead, the government just said, hey, there's a piece of the pie. We'll take that. Well, see, and I, I think you actually, I think you, you're making an assumption that's that's not warranted. You're saying the corruption in the insurance companies, I'd say the corruption in the medical practices. Like my my daughter had to go to the urgent care on some. I'm not making that assumption. The, the, no, medi- the corruption me, in the let medical. Me, let me explain legit. it. Let me explain why you're wrong on that. Here's the reason why you're wrong. My wife had to take our daughter to the urgent care on Sunday. And um, and that's because we don't have insurance because it just got out of control. And I just said, I'm not paying that anymore. We're now part of one of these uh, group medical things where it's like, you know, the Christians and we all band together. I don't really know what it is. I just know it literally cost me less than half of what insurance cost me. Right. But it also means I got to pay the first $500 of any problem that we have, which is, you know, whatever, not a big deal. Yeah. So, um, wife goes into urgent care with the daughter and the, uh, the doctor goes, well, you know, we could do a chest x-ray, but since you're self pay, that's $300. There's no freaking way a chest x-ray costs $300. It's because they know they got insurance companies to pay for it. So let's go ahead and bump up all of our prices. Because we got someone else to pay for it. It's not the end user who's paying for it. And that's the problem with all of this stuff. Whenever you start passing the buck from the individual, you lose competitiveness in the marketplace. They don't have to be competitive. I mean, there's literally a schedule of fees that are considered acceptable. So that means that's what they get to charge. And they're going to charge that. They're going to max that out. And the problem with, uh, well, there's many problems, as you've pointed out, um, with uh, government running all that stuff. But one of the biggies that I see, you're basically endorsing slavery again. Because what happens when the government totally socializes Medicare or uh, medicine? Well, then they're going to decide what everyone can make. Correct. And then you got the problem. And that will eventually be what happens. Well, but the problem with that is, okay, but it's costing me hundreds of thousands of dollars to get my medical license. Right. Now you've taken away my whole incentive yeah. because I can't make enough money to even pay all of that back. And the whole thing collapses. Right. Yet again. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's what's happening with the, you know, you're, you're not telling me anything that, that wasn't included in my first statement, which is the insurance system is causing the problem on both sides. Sure. I'd agree with that. 
So, you know, if, if we didn't have the middleman, you would just walk in and the, the medical people would not, they wouldn't have as much reason because they get stung as well by this stuff. So it's, it's almost kind of like, well, if you're going to raise this from the insurance and we as a hospital are going to raise this, they're, they're both trying to come out ahead. And so when, when Bush before 9-11, Bush's platform, if you remember, was healthcare reform. And that was going to be the focus of his president. He said, look, we've got to disentangle this. We've got to, we've got to start making laws to um, curtail the corruption in this industry because all the, all the, the burden now is being placed on the government to pay for this, like Medi-Cal and all that kind of stuff. And if we just went in for where the problem is happening, we would save the government tons of money. And that was, that was the original plan. It was healthcare reform. So here we have socialized medicine with no reform. That's what we got. But only now the government gets a big chunk of it. So, I mean, people were just blind on that. Because if you say over and over, oh, you know, um, Scandinavian nations, they love Europeans, they love it. No, they don't. And it doesn't work. And they come here when they have serious problems. Um, Or they used to. (laughs) We'll see what starts happening. We haven't got the backlogs yet that they have. Like for me, I'm on a PPO and I'll tell you what, it's a different world on a PPO as opposed to not having a PPO. It's a big deal. So private pay, you get different service, but if you're on one of these, uh, these HMOs, you're screwed. I see. I would actually disagree with you that you're screwed when you're on an HMO from a guy who's been an insider in the business. I've been a benefits manager and I've been on HMOs, PPOs, POSs. I've been on all of it. Um, if you know how to use the the HMO properly, I think it's a phenomenal tool. The whole idea behind it was you, it you used know, to be. <laughs> it used to be. No, not I don't even think used it is to be. Anymore. It's, it, I, I think you, I think you just have HMO. to go get the referral. And the problem is, is most people don't want to have to go get the referral. They don't want to have to go to their doctor. They want to just be able to go anywhere. And I get that. You totally have to go it. about three times on average now in an HMO to get a referral. It's it's really hard now. If you let's say you no, go, you just get a better doctor. Doctors yeah. don't give a rip. They just hear you whatever. Yeah. Go to the next so, one. anyways, hey, this this conversation though is is degrading into um, a talk that that, that I really um, I'm bored with this conversation. <laughs> so let's so let's, let's actually talk then about the wall. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about church planning how about that i thought we were going to talk about the wall i wanted to talk about the wall i wasn't going to talk about the wall no I, I i got a comment on that though it ties in with what we just talked about but in a nice way you know how everyone's like you got the two sides of oh we need to build a wall no we can't build a wall i mean it's n- whatever the reasons are for either side honestly i look at that whole thing and i'm like Everyone is missing the whole point. Like they got us all focused on a stinking wall when the wall is totally not the issue. The issue is you're stealing our money and giving it to other people in the form of welfare programs. That's why they want a wall. If you would stop stealing people's money, I don't think anyone would give a rip. Come across the border, whatever. That's yeah. the, the problem is the taxation. And it's always right. been the problem. It's what started this whole country was a tax res, a, a, you know, a, a tax war, if you will, over the three percent T tax. Yeah, it's true. And it's like 
okay, we've lost our way. Now we're like, no, 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 we're we're okay with you stealing our money, but let's build the wall. It's like you missing the whole point. Oh, the the whole the whole system right now is like a bunch of spoiled kids fighting, man. It's it's fighting it's over crazy. stealing someone else's I, money. I feel almost like you know, like let's say like you got two parents, right? Um, and and they're fighting. And they're throwing things and one person's grabbing the vase saying, I'm taking this vase, you know, and the other person's taking it and smashing it against the wall. And it's like, you know, neither one of us is going to have it. And and you're the kid going, why don't you two just grow up? Like, come on. You know, that, that's how I feel with the political system right now. Yeah. It's just absolutely I think, ridiculous. I think you're right. And, uh, yeah, I, I I think the average American citizen, too, feels like I just want to take both of you guys over my knee and spank you. You know, I don't know. I, I, think, Trump, I think it's kind of a, amazing. You get on the left knee, you get on the right knee. It's time for spankings. I, I think it's amazing, though, how they, they get us to pick a side. Because if you notice, like people are, are very diehard for their side. And I'm like, I don't I don't understand how you could be so diehard for either one of these sides, because I'm with you on that. Right. I'd rather just yeah. take them back to the woodshed and and uh, and punish them properly. But that's. <laughs> but I'm, I don't, I, you, put, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do they get yeah. us to like be, oh, I got to be pro Trump or I got to be so against Trump? How do they oh, get and the us amount to of buy vitriol in? over this stuff, too, brother? I mean, it's just, it's insane. Right oh, it now. is. Well, 100%. It is. I'd so, like to start Petey's country. It's, it's my <laughs> own little country. No taxes, but for our national defense. My only rule is if you're going to be a citizen of PD land, you have to have a firearm. So it's, it's the second amendment just forced. Everyone has to have a firearm because you got to defend us. You know, you are the militia. Well, on that note, let's move into our topic. I, I was trying to give you enough time so you could talk to whoever you were talking to and uh, clearly I'm not about attention. to be invaded in this room. Um, and if it, so I'm going to have to move my computer because I am training for, uh, uh, the sin network. And this is not my, this is my break. I'm not on this session right now. So, um, but I have a feeling the gentlemen are coming back. So, um, let me, uh, just know that at some point in our conversation, I will have to, uh, move. So, um, anyways, let's, uh, let's jump into our, um, our topic today. Our top. Oh, should should you queue up the right, good doctor? Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Yes, it is, my good doctor and Nacho. Appreciate that. Our topic today is assessments. Should you go through a church planting assessment? Wait, I thought you were going to talk about that homeboy. Oh, no, not as a topic. That was Smack Talk. Well, you didn't even get to it in Smack Talk. Hey, hey, we talked about your stuff. You said there was enough in there to, like, there's some lessons we need to learn. I thought that was a topic. You want to do that as a topic? We'll save assessments for next week. I, You know, I just had a Smack Talk little tidbit, nuggety nugget. I want to talk about assessments because he's a Smack Talk conversation. If you say so, I I didn't even think he was worthy hey, of a smack talk. But hey, once once we started talking about the Danishes and the Danes, it was all downhill. Mm-hmm. You knew you knew it was going nowhere. Right. <laughs> so okay, so guys, here's the deal. Um, 
going through assessment, should you go through assessment? Is it, is it helpful or not? And so here's the thing, like I never went through an assessment. Um, now I, I would say if you can do, like, I'll just say that right out the gate. So you don't misunderstand and think I'm saying don't go for assessment. I remember being overseas, not knowing I was going to be a church planner and Acts 29 back, you know, years ago, they, they were kind of the bomb on assessment. Um, Southern Baptists had boot camp, but, um, everybody was talking about Acts 29. You'd go there for, you know, a day or two and they would, you know, kind of do these round robin interviews with you. And, um, you, you would get guys to, to meet with you and they would either say yay or nay. And, uh, at that time in the church planning world, um, people had strengths. No one was hitting all three. I would say sin network today is hitting all three. They're killing it on really four areas. They're killing it in assessment. And now I, I say this, I don't work for them anymore as an employee, right? But they're killing it in assessment. They're killing it in training. Um, and, and I'm behind the scenes still. I'm still helping revamp the training. Um, so I, I do have an insider perspective on that. Um, they're killing it on the church planner coaching. And lastly, the fourth element is what's known as planner care. They're killing it on that as well. So they'll send you like gift cards and all that cool kind of talked about that before. But really, nobody's hitting all four of these um, different subjects. So it, it's something that, you know, uh, back when I was planning, there wasn't really the church planning world that we have today where all that stuff was just there. I mean, you know, planners today might take for granted that, you know, like I still can't believe what's available for church planners. Cause back then this is how it looked like you were a youth pastor or an assistant pastor and you went to your pastor and told him, I want to plan a church. And 90% of the times he said, well, have your, you know, clean out your desk by the end of the day. Um, if you're not going to get on board with my vision, then you're in my way. Get out of here, right? That was 90% of, of the war stories from the battlefields of church planning. Probably about 10% or less, the guy would say, well, you know, let's come up with a plan or let's let's explore that together. Or I'm really happy for you. Or you can start a satellite campus or maybe plan out for us. But there are only a few places you could go. So Mac Lake started the launch um, network, which had um, – a really cool assessment. It wasn't quite as robust as it, as it is now. I would say it's the, the Rolls Royce you go and you have, um, like, a, a, a preaching assessor. You have a, a, a panel that assesses you on your calling, your character. There's a pastoral expert. There's a, a church planning expert. And you meet, and then there's a marriage and family therapist team that meets with you. And you just, for a couple of days, you get wined and dined and talk through that. And at the end, they give you a score. This panel meets together and they score you. And you get a final score on your readiness to plan a church, which is pretty rock and roll. Um, they make you do like a shark tank to pitch your vision. And they pick it apart. You know, um, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, the question is, for some of you guys out there, you know, some of the best church planners I know, we're not assessed. And many of the church planners I know, um, they, 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 that failed, they were assessed. So the question is assessment, is it worth it? Why or why not? 
And so that's, that's kind of, um, that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Should you go through assessment? Yeah or nay? Oh, well, I love this topic because I'm sure you and I are going to have a difference of opinion on it. Oh, say on brother. I'm, it's against who I am as a person for assessments. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. I don't believe that they've invented a test yet that can judge the true heart of a man or a woman. And to me, all of this stuff is all heart. Now, I'm not going to say you can't benefit from learning about, you know, yourself on any level, you know, personality wise, your, your marriage, all that stuff. I believe all that stuff is great, but to have someone assess me and tell me if I can go out and do something, it goes against who I am as a person. Yeah. Interesting. Do you think if you went through any assessment, you could learn something about yourself? Oh, like I said, you can always learn about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. But the whole idea like uh, of, of, you know, we're going to tell you if you can do this or not. And at the end, uh, you know what? We feel that you would be better at, uh, you know, being the right hand man. Uh, that's great and all, but I don't believe they've invented the test yet that can judge the true heart of the man or the woman. Right. If they can do it or not. Well, that's a really good point. Um, I have to say that there are times, in fact, I was talking with this group we're training now, and we were talking about assessment. I made the point that there are many people who made it through assessment who shouldn't, right? And I'm just talking, I'm not talking about any particular uh, networks assessment or denominations. I've just met guys that have been assessed by their background or brand or denomination. And I think you shouldn't have made it. But again, that's a judgment I'm making, right? Right. Other people have made a different judgment. So I think you're right in the sense where, um, you, you won't (coughs) two things. You're always going to need somebody to recognize you externally. Always going to need that. That's actually biblical, right? So you can't, but, but we're talking assessments now, which is something we've kind of invented, right? So, um, it's not quite the same. You're always going to need someone to send you to a certain degree, somebody somewhere. It doesn't mean every leader you're under is going to want to send you. And if he doesn't send you, you should or shouldn't go based on that. Um, somebody, like I can say this for a fact, somebody sent me years ago. Sure. Now, I may have been sent out, and years later, I'm serving with a guy who is threatened by me or, you know, for whatever reason, there's tension, and he fires me or tells me, I'll never send you out. That doesn't mean God isn't sending me, right? It just means that's maybe not a good fit (laughs) for someone who needs to be sending me out. Um, But, you know, there's always in the scripture that sense in which there's a sender, there's the laying on of hands and commissioning, a very biblical process. And the assessment, this is, this, is, this is kind of the deal. The assessment that happened in the New Testament happened on the field, right? You went with Paul and you got assessed while you were with him. You joined Jesus as one of his 12 and you got assessed as you were doing things, What we've done in many ways is we've taken assessment, put it in a vacuum, made it its own thing before somebody actually does anything um, or even before they've been trained. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh So then like sometimes I've, I've seen people, like I said, who should not have passed assessments but did or who didn't pass assessments 
and should have. I've one known the, people one of the, who didn't pass assessments and should <laughs> correct. have. Correct. Who had you know, histories of being church planters, and yet they still couldn't pass the assessment. Which goes back to my point of, I don't believe they've invented a test yet that can judge the true heart of a man or a woman. Well, and this is a the thing. There's definitely no infallible one. I think it's a good safety check, personally. And I think it's really good. There's, there's a couple. Let's talk about the strengths before we talk about the weaknesses. The strengths for me are what we already brought up. A, you can learn something about yourself. B, the inclusion of your spouse. There's nowhere that I think yeah. um, that, that spouses get as much clarity as in a well-built, well-placed assessment where they're coming and the questions being posed to them. It's like going to a counselor. There is issues, but unless you have someone who's trained to bring up the right questions, you often don't, you don't discuss those things. But someone who's trained, who knows what questions to ask and why, and knows the strategic purpose for those questions, um, and maybe even has a, 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 a strategic plan for that couple to work on things, that's what should come out of assessment. And I would say the SIN Network does a pretty good job of that because that's the only one I know from the inside out. Um, so those, those are a couple things that are real strengths of assessments. Um, I do think they can also be a gate for someone who's maybe thinks they're more ready than they are to just hear the truth. Like, unfortunately, this is one of the things that happens. You know, you have a leader who's going to send a dude and he doesn't, um, he doesn't prep that dude enough, or maybe he doesn't, he's not good at confrontation. So he doesn't feel like he can tell the guy the truth. So he takes him to assessment, makes the assessment tell him. <laughs> and that can be okay. You know, it's not great, you know, but sometimes I'd rather have a guy who shouldn't be planting, be told and be spared a lot of pain, hardship and suffering and agony on the other side than someone you know, kind of like you, you and I watch Shark Tank. You know how like Mr. Wonderful is always like, you think you're being nice to him, but you're actually being mean to right. him right now. Right. You're not helping him. <laughs> right. Put him out of his misery. Put old yeller down, you know. And and some people have an old yeller, you know, which they mistake for a call. To but ministry. at the same time, too, I, I think that, you know, to me it comes back to if God's called you to do something, you better not let Mr. Wonderful tell you you can't. Amen. Because Absolutely. you've been called by God, not by man. And if you're and being I called by man. I think someone who's called by God, Mr. Wonderful doesn't even phase him. You know I don't saying? know that. I don't know that you could say doesn't phase him. Shouldn't phase him, I believe is the right term. But you're, that's a good, that's a better way to put it for sure. You're right. Because I can remember people saying things to me that were very damaging when I was young in ministry by people that were very insecure. And those things lodged in me like a, like a, you know, like Paul says, like a fiery dart. And they just stayed there and burned for years. And as I got older and had more track record behind me, I was able to take those things, evaluate them. They, they tortured me at first. Sure. Um, but who's to say that some of those weren't also, <laughs> very sanctifying. It's kind of like if you ever read the tale of, of three Kings by um, David Edwards, where he just says, you know what? He goes, uh, all that running from Saul prevented David from becoming a Saul years down the road. And I think to, to a certain degree, perhaps that guy saw something in me that, 
that was maybe a little true. And I needed some of those warnings and maybe God used that. It's kind of like when David gets uh, Shimei throws the rocks at him and curses him. And David goes, no, don't, don't kill him. It's, it's the Lord. I know it. <laughs> you know, who's to say they're in some of that. But, but now well, and see, and about- I would agree with that. I, I actually really agree with that. And that's the toughest part. And that's more of a, just a, a human thing that you have to learn to take everything in because you might have a nugget like that guy over there might be an idiot, but the arrow that he flings at you could be the one that you need to hear. And that's the yeah. tough part. You have to be willing to hear all of that input, but at the same time, you can't, you can't turn away from what you've been called to do. Yeah. So you do need to absorb it because yes, there are some things that people are going to say to you. Even the idiots will say it and it could be the thing that you need to hear. But I think too often it's easier for us to put our trust in someone else. So it's true, way dude. easier just to go, oh, well, the assessment said I'm a right-hand man. Uh, you know, so I'm going to go over here. I'm going to help this other guy. <laughs> I, I don't have to actually be the leader. You know, it, sometimes we just do that. It's easier just to blame so true, everyone dude. else or whatever. And there's fear with, with being the number one. Um, yeah. with the with the team leader like you know me i'm all about team leadership but team leadership there's fear in, in taking lead of that team sometimes just more comfortable to, to be the number two or number three um it doesn't quite work as a hierarchy in a, in a in a team but you may not be leading the team and leading any group of people is scary and risky but you know it's funny because um as we talk about all these things you know someone might see something in you that is a handicap and they point it out, and you need to hear that. Like, think yeah. of any athlete who has a coach. You don't actually grow. And I love Lloyd Jones um, speaking on Hebrews uh, about the discipline of the Lord. It trains you for righteousness. And he says he has a, a sermon entitled, if you can get a hold of it, guys, get a hold of it. It's called In God's Gymnasium. And he talks about how that in in the uh, in that passage in Hebrews. Um, so in, 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 in God's gymnasium, what happens is that we actually, um, he talks about a coach, how what he used to do is he would make him run naked through the gymnasium in, in the Roman times, and he would have this rod, and he would hit him on the, uh, the affected area, like if they weren't lifting their, their you know, calf, calf high enough during some athletic event or their arms were drooping or at the wrong angle, he'd hit him. He'd correct them with that stick. And, um, and they would know, okay, work on my tricep, you know, like flex more when I'm doing this move or hurdling this javelin or whatever it was. And it was really cool. And he, he, he did this incredible sermon, but you know, the cool thing is, is, you know, through an assessment, it's not that you're damned forever. Um, it's that somebody sees something and says, you got to work on that. And, you know, you and I, I mean, part of our friendship has been that we have been able to see each other's weaknesses. And even on this podcast, we call them out. You yeah, know? except I don't and have we, any weaknesses, but go on with your story. That's great. I'm karate man. We so need that sound bite. Karate man, the bruise on the outside. But, you know, the, the thing is, is that, you know, it, it's not they are things that are true. And you have to learn to laugh at them, like laugh at your weaknesses, laugh at those things. Because if you take them too serious, they'll bum you out. You have to laugh at them, acknowledge them, roll with them, and say, you know what? That might be my weakness today. It may not always be my weakness. You know, that might be something that I, I, 
And now I'm aware of it and I'm able to look at it. And when I'm doing things that's in the back of my mind now, maybe that's something I need to work on. And, uh, and, and that's a good thing. But the weaknesses of assessment are, are, you know, a couple things that I think, um, and, and you really hinted at it, Pete, that when somebody doesn't make it, um, through an assessment, I, I personally think, um, we still look at the church planner as a one size fits all. And of course I wrote that book, Church Zero, cha-ching, which was to say church planners come in many sh- shapes and sizes. They just, you know, might be shepherd, might be teacher, might be, these are all guys you're going to have on a church planning team, but they're going to look different and they're going to, they're going to behave differently. So the church planner, I know you and I are both thinking of right now, high prophetic and can lead people to Jesus every day. If he puts himself at that kind of availability without even trying guys, so gifted with people that just boom, boom, boom. And, um, and, and he's very winsome, but could could he be the lead guy in a church plant? No, he needs an apostolic. In fact, most prophetic leaders need apostolics to actually church plant. They're not very good on their own planning the church. And um, and in fact, most most movements like Calvary Chapel, yeah, Chuck Smith, he was the teacher, but the guy who built it, same with John Wimber, was in both cases a guy named Lonnie Frisbee, who was a, 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 a major high, high apostolic calling and, um, and built two movements, actually built three movements, um, out of his apostolic gifting. So, you know, when, when you're looking at this, um, what I often see the weakness of assessments is we're only thinking of the pastor only model when we're assessing. So we're looking for a guy who's a teacher, he's apostolic, he's evangelistic, he's a shepherd, and we wrap it into one and assessments are built on that. Rather than looking, and this is something funny enough in the in the said network that they're talking about right now is, you know, maybe having this APEST uh, branch. And th- those are just conversations that are starting because our training is starting to take on that flavor. And um, so, you know, it, it's one of those things. And, and you know, uh, the, the other weakness is telling people to wait and come back. Um, in a, in a defined period of time. Whereas what I think is better is say, Hey, go serve with that guy for a year and then come back through, see what you've learned in a year. The, the last weakness that I see is often we assess people on things we haven't trained them in yet. And that's just, you gotta, you gotta train people. The fourth thing is what I said at the beginning. And I said, I know I said last, but it just makes me think of it that, um, the last thing that we have is what we said that do it on mission. Assessment should happen on mission. So like right now, I got an intern who comes to Refuge Long Beach. I meet with him once a week. He comes to Carlsbad for a day and we debrief everything he's been doing. And I kind of give him that feedback. But he's in Long Beach and he's in ministry. He's meeting with people all throughout the week. He's on mission with them nonstop. And that's what he does. Yeah. So any uh, any final thoughts on that? Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. Because I know you love it. <laughs> I do. Well, hey, we are currently revamping the New Breed Network site. Um, if you've never been there, it's newbreednetwork.org. And um, our assessment, just so you know, when we assess you, we only assess you on your calling and character, first off, which makes it a lot easier. And we help you work through that. Um, then secondly, 
Um, we assess you on missional engagement as you're on mission. So that's, again, that real-time strategy. Well, it's not like I've just thought about these things and haven't done anything about it. Um, and then our last – your dog looks cool, by the way, in the background with her ears up like that. But She's the a last, pit bull. <laughs> yeah, she's ready to eat somebody. But then the last thing is, um, you know, we, we assess you for your ability to plant out. Are you ready for that? And to me, those three assessments, I've literally taken those from the pages of Acts, where you can see a type of assessment happening at each level on those. And that's, that's what we do. Cool. So if you guys want to check that out, I'd say wait a little bit till our new website's up. But if you go through now, it'll be fine. But we got a streamlined process coming in place soon for assessment. So check that out. I dig it, man. Hey, if you guys are exponential, by the way, before I let you go, um, I will be hosting the Micro Bivo track with a few other guests, guys you've probably heard of, like Ralph Moore. That is his um, primary track. Um, Also going to be there with Brad Briscoe. And I'll be hosting the first session between Francis Chan and Ralph Moore. It's going to be an epic discussion between those two guys. Can't wait to hear what they're going to say. But if you want to come see me at Exponential, that's going to be March in Orlando. I'm sure if you don't know about it by now, you're probably not going. But if you're there, look me up. Check out the MicroBivo track on Wednesday and Thursday and come say hello. Cool. Hey, what do you do, you know, if you've gone through the assessment and you've been determined that you're not a math pastor? Ooh, you know, a common problem that people have, Pete, what I would say to that is it's always important to go to simplifychurch.com, simplifychurch.com, and uh, tell them that Peyton and Pete sent you. They'll help you work out all of your bookkeeping needs, your tax IRS compliancy, things like into the year pay stubs, Kind of a big deal. Hope you did that. If you didn't, uh-oh, not going to have many donors coming up this year. And uh, simplifychurch.com, check them out. Hey, well, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Magazine.com.